We'll be fine. All right, and we are live. Welcome to Pin the Gas, we Frenchy. How you doing? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Uh, man, I've been flat out since we met at Cadwell. So real quick backstory on how me and her met uh, for our good buddy, Malcolm Shorter, uh, awesome photographer, has his own Facebook page. He does BSB, track days, cars, uh, animals, airplanes, uh, the whole nine, and he's a proper mega person, right? So... Uh, obviously we become good mates. And then he's like, Hey man, I, I want to introduce you to we Frenchie. And I was like, absolutely. And yeah, we had a great talk at Cadwell. Uh, and that's how we met. And I've been absolutely looking forward to this since we met at that time. So here we are. Yay. <laughs> I can't wait. So yeah, it's, it's awesome. So listen, you are super fast. Awesome. Mega. So Let's start from the very beginning. How did you get into motorcycles to begin with? Um, man, so I was uh, I was living in the UK and I have two brothers who live in France and both of them used to ride off-road in the mountains because I grew up in the mountains. Um, and one weekend, one weekend I went home and I was really tired and my little brother was fixing his bike and he said to me, hey, can you help me fix my bike? And I went, I have no idea how to ride a bike. I don't know what to do to it. And he said, just fine, just jump on it. All I need you to do is just ride around this this little field here. I just need to hear the engine. Fine. So then he showed me how to change the gears and stuff. And I said, yeah, I'll probably just stay in first. Um, and off I went around this triangular field. And by the time I got back to my brother, I had the biggest grin on my face. And I thought, yep, I need one of those. <laughs> um, so I go back to the UK. And uh, only a couple of weeks later, someone crashed into my car and literally destroyed it. So I thought, well, maybe I'll just buy a bike instead. And um, that was the beginning of that. That's I, I, I never forget the first time I threw my leg over a bike when, when I was little too, right? That that it anxiety, because you're like, even as a kid, I had it because I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome, right? Just that you don't know what to expect. But as soon as you get on it and the first time you take off, you're like, it's the it's hard to explain to people that feeling, yeah. right? It's uh. Yeah absolutely amazing so somebody totaled your car you got a motorcycle uh where does it go from there How, how's the story so you rode on the street for a while and then who introduced you to track days and all that good stuff so yeah i had a little 125 to start with um and i just started just riding my 125 i was scared like you wouldn't believe are going round roundabouts and just you still like go around super slowly and just <laughs> but um then I started meeting people who rode bikes and then eventually I got myself a Hornet 600 2005 model and it was it was just been and I loved it it was pearl white nobody had white bikes at the time so I was like I'm the only one with it it was cool um and I started doing lots of touring I toured around the UK I toured around France I did some you know borderline countries like Switzerland and Germany and Spain and that kind of stuff and um I loved doing that and I did that for about 10 years I think probably Four weeks after I bought my 600, actually, a friend of mine said to me, hey, do you want to go on a trip? Yeah, yeah, sure. And off we went, spent four days riding every single day, and I was the most riding I'd ever done in my life, and I loved it. Um, and I did that for about 10 years. I did lots of touring for 10 years. And then um, a friend of mine then mentioned that I was quite good on the bike, but I could probably learn to move a bit more on it. So 
I booked a track day as a brown satch on the indie, indie circuit because they do evening track days. So it's like four sessions and it's quite affordable. So I did that, um, booked a session with an instructor, followed him around Druids, you know, the hairpin. Um, and he literally just got right off his bike and I thought, okay, well, if you do this, surely I can. So then I started doing that. And um, I'm not kidding. The first session of that evening, I was super slow. And by the end of the evening, I was super fast. <laughs> I was like, I like this. Um, but I was still touring at the time. It was just a bit of fun. And then a year later, I bought myself the GSXR 750 because they, they bought out a model with a white uh, with a white scheme on it. And again, I just liked white, so I wanted one. Um, so I bought one and took it to Brown's Hatch again just to get used to the bike a bit more because it was a different bike, sports bike. And literally within one session, I just thought, oh, man, this is meant to be on track. It's not meant to be on the road. Um, and it went from there. I started booking track days after that. Um, went to Cartagena the following year. I think it was the following year, fairly quickly. Um, crashed, first crash ever. And then <laughs> um, just started from that really, just started meeting other people who were into track days. And then it just becomes a little bit of a family and a little bit of an addiction really. And I had two bikes and my road bike just stayed unused for ages. So eventually I thought, I just need to sell it. And then I started doing my track days and eventually I got really fast and I got told to start racing really, because it's not much you're going to get from track days now. So then I started racing and, and it went from there really. And it's been, I think I started racing in 2015. I started track day in 2013, I think. So yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That's, that's it. And, and as far as your touring, so you just, got on your bike and just toured around countries and stuff yeah that's awesome what's the most beautiful country you've been to i don't know i love touring france it's really stunning um i love touring in scotland that was amazing and because i was really stressed at work and um i put some days down and i thought you know what i need a break so i loaded my bike my gsx 750 a massive pack on the tail and I just took off for 10 days by myself. I just thought I just want to go. So I just took off and just drove all the way around Scotland for 10 days. And I stopped whenever I was tired and got off whenever I wanted to go. It was brilliant. Um, and it was probably my favorite, my favorite, yeah, touring ever. It, it sounds amazing. I'm, I'm trying to visualize it in my head as you're talking about it. But when I think of that, I think, uh, you know, like, like uh, the Vikings and all that, right? That's what I'm thinking of. Scotland, yeah, yeah, freedom, all that good stuff. Braveheart. Uh, I've never been to Scotland. Uh, I heard it's absolutely gorgeous and amazing. Um, Beautiful. What country had really to? Because yeah. normally it rains a lot in Scotland, but it was actually really sunny for, for ten whole days, so I was really lucky with it. <laughs> they opened it up just for you to come and tour, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, at, at all the countries you've been to, who had the best food? Oh has to be france really it's not because i'm french but you know (laughs) just a little bit right yeah that's awesome yeah so getting into racing when you first started racing and you do coaching too as well yes yes okay so how did going from road bikes touring track days super mega fast racer to hey you know what i want to coach people how did all that come together so when I started riding on track, um, my first trip to Cartagena, I had a um, I had a session with someone called Antonio Maeso. He's an ex Spanish superbike 
champion. And um, I spent my first day at Cartagena trying to figure out how to ride around the track that I didn't know, and I was just useless at it. So on day two in the morning, I asked if I could have a, a session with him, and it was free tuition with the group that I was with. So he took me around circuit and showed me how to go around the circuit. Um, and he said to me, look, if you just practice, forget speed, just practice those lines and you'll find that speed comes with it. And so I spent the entire day just practicing the lines that he showed me. By the end of the day, I was fastest in my group and I loved it until I crashed. <laughs> I got cocky, but yeah. Um, but I loved it. And after that, every time I go to a new track, I'd have a, a session with someone to show me the lines or help me out a little bit rather than try and figure it out by myself. Um, and um, and I did that when I did track days and then I started racing. Um, and a few years into racing, I thought, um, you know, once you've upgraded the suspension and you've upgraded the bike and things and things like that, you kind of think it's slow. I mean, it's just been on a machine, but if I don't know how to ride it, it's not going to do anything really very well, very well, very well, very well. So I um, found a coach um, who was available for, for, you know, coaching in the UK, got in touch. Actually, he got in touch with me. It was a track day, I think. And um, he came over to see me and he said to me, what's that feel like when you get around that corner? And I'm like, not knowing who this guy was. I was like, well, I'm struggling with it a bit, to be fair. So oh, what would happen if you did this or if you tried that? Well, I guess it would do this, blah, blah, blah. And we started talking random bits. And I went out and literally within a session, not two seconds of my time. And I thought, oh, okay. So I found the guy and had a chat. And then we said, can we have a day? Yeah, yeah, let's have a day. So I had a day with him. Um, his name's Gary Wharton from Not So Fast. Um, I had a day with him and it helped massively. Then I booked him again for two days at Portimo um, and it rained sideways for two days. But I promise you, it's the most I learned how to ride my bike. Two days coaching in the rain. By the time, by the time everything cleared up on the second day, I was just flying. Um, and it's, it kind of started from there, really. I, I thought, you know, I want to be able to help people who get into this because there's so much that you just don't know. Um, and I wanted to be able to help others. And that's pretty much how that went. So I looked into how I could get into it. Um, and last year, I was given an opportunity to become a trainee coach with No Limits Track Days, who I do a lot of track days with. And they do the racing series that I race with as well. Um, so I spent a whole season just training with them. And then um, at the end of the year, I decided to do my full ECU um, coaching license, which I've literally just obtained five days ago. So I'm super chuffed about that. Absolutely. <laughs> Congratulations. So in, in order to, to, to get your uh, license, what all does that entail? I mean, I have no idea. That's why I'm asking the question. Like, how does one become a rider coach? Uh, so you have to, first of all, you have to do, you have to go for a club initially to get your first license. Um, so it has to be a club coaching license. Um, and then once you've got that, there's a few criteria to meet in terms of your racing license and things like that. And then you've got to do, obviously, there's fee to pay. Um, there's a couple of assessments to go through, one practical assessment on, on a day uh, where you're being observed coaching someone else or other people. Um, and then you have to do uh, a written exam as well. Um, and that's pretty much it, really. Once you, as long as, to be honest, a lot of it's common sense, but there are regulations that you need to know. Obviously, you know, the ACU have their own regulations and, um, you know, things about, for example, if you're coaching people who are under 18, what you need to do, that kind of thing. Things that you have to do if you're on a track day, if you're coaching, all the risk assessments you have to go through and all of these things, regulations you have to know. So it's about just knowing all of that. And then the day on track where you're, 
to mind was an ACU day. So I was assessing other riders who were taking their ACU um, track and race license and I was being assessed while I was assessing others. So that was fun. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, and that's pretty much that really. That's, uh, that's amazing. I, 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 uh, I kind of coach, like I'm not professional, but my buddy, he never rode a bike before. So he buys this motorcycle. He brings it over to the house and within a couple hours, he's lapping the neighborhood, going out on the street. You know, uh, it, it feels amazing. Right. I, I tried to get my son obviously into, I mean, look at my room, right. I'm a diehard, just mm-hmm. yeah. Fan. Uh, so of course, when my wife was pregnant, I was like, "Yes, he's gonna be a MotoGP world champ, world superbike, all this stuff, right?" Just like everybody does, right? I'm not the only one. Yeah, he don't, he don't, he loves to go to the races with me, and he'll watch them with me on TV. But he just, I bought him several dirt bikes, and he rode them maybe four or five times. And I don't push it. I don't talk to him about it really. I just let him. You know, one day I'm hoping he'll come around and be like, "Okay, Daddy, I'm ready." Because that's what he told me. He's like, "I'm just not ready. Like, I'm just not into it." And I'm like. Okay, let's go build some Legos in, right? And that's what we get. go in there, go play Legos. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, definitely would would be a dream. So, uh, you race last season. How did twenty twenty three go? Uh, I was a bit. It was intense. <laughs> um, so my husband and I, my husband's a race engineer, and he supports all the racing that I do. He races too, but um, he kind of put his racing on hold for the last couple of years to support mine which was really brilliant. Absolutely proper. Big shout out. Yes. Um, But last year, so the year before last, I raced with a team on and off and we won the national, the Clubman 600 endurance championship. Um, And that's when I had my first ever win. We did an eight hour endurance race at Autumn Park and I had my first ever win. And I, I'm the one I went for the checkered and on my last lap, I was literally waving at the marshals. I was crying in my helmet. It was just unbelievable. Um, and it was brilliant. It was really brilliant. Um, but so at the end of the season, we thought it'd be great if we could do something with women. Um, I don't think that women should just be allowed on track for the sake of it, but I think it'd be great to, to show there are actually quite a lot of women who can race and who ride really well. Um, I mean, just last week I was at Andalusia and there were eight women on that track there, which was really brilliant. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so we just wanted to show up, you know, that women can race and we can be competitive. So um, we looked for another rider. We wanted to do an endurance team, two, two women only. We looked for another rider, which we eventually found um, and did hold the whole season. Um, I ended up with three different teammates throughout the season four, actually. So I was the only one consistent throughout. But um, So we did the whole season of just one women only team among 50 teams mainly guys um i think there was another woman who was racing on and off occasionally in a different team um and yeah we did really well the first race we went off um and we won our race which was unbelievable proper <laughs> dude yes i love it yeah it was amazing it was really weird actually because we had so many delays on our day it was cold it was it's snetterton snetterton i think in march is not usually very warm and um, it's really fast circuit and it was wet and um I don't actually mind the way because, you know, I trained for two days of Porto Mayor in the wet and I got used to it. Um, and yeah, we just, we just, we won a race. It was brilliant. Uh, I remember just racing and seeing my, my pit board was always just showing P1, P1, P1. And at the beginning, I thought, is that right? And it's just every lap, it was still P1. And I thought, it must be right. I've got to keep going because they're going to be right behind me. And on a pit board, my, my team's 
this show us, you know, how far we are in front of the person behind us. And if we're not first, you know, how far behind we are in front of the person or how far behind we are the person in front. So the, the difference between the two, and of course there was no one in front of me because it was P1. Um, and the people behind weren't actually that close. And there was moments where they caught us up a bit and then we caught up again and yeah. And then the race went on for ages. It was really dark when it finished. I could barely see the track. Well, I could see because I still have my, my visor like full of water and everything. And all I could see was the dashboard lights. And I thought, this isn't right. I'm not supposed to race in the dark. But anyway, yeah, so we finished and we won it, which was absolutely brilliant. Really, really, really excited. Um, but yeah, so we did that. And then the season went on. Um, and then we had some better rounds and some not so good. I think the next round, I had an issue with my engine during the endurance. So that cost us a lot. The one after that was Dunny and we finished P2s. So really excited about that. Again, it was wet. Something to do about riding in the wet. Um, but then we had, um, it was Croft after that. And I crashed at Croft in the endurance. Um, literally, it went flying. Ugh. Anyway, so that cost us a lot. Anglesey was cancelled because it was a storm. Um, and after that, what did we have? We had Browns Hatch, where I had my second teammate then. Um, I raced with Katie Han. She races in, she was racing in the 400s last year. Um, I'm not sure what she's doing this year, but she's a brilliant rider. Um, and she has an R6, so I tried that. It was her first ever time racing the R6 as well, so it was really chuffed she was racing with us. Um, how did, so, uh, the, uh, how does that compare to the bike you normally race? And you race a ZX6R? No, oh, no, an R6. Okay. Yeah. okay. I used to have a Jixxer 600, which I loved because it was super smooth on power delivery. But one day, just before that eight hour race, actually, the year before last, a week beforehand, it just um, it, it decided to die on me during a track day. And I had one week to replace it, which I couldn't do or not. So I ended up borrowing my husband's bike, which was an R6. And I rode it for the whole eight hours race. And at the end of it, I went, I might keep that one. It's nice. Um, so I've been riding R6s since, and I absolutely love the R6. So, yeah. So you got the R6, and the husband got the broke down GSXR. Here you go. We're just going to swap, right? You take my paperweight. I'll take your bike. I'll take care of it. Trust me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, at the beginning, that's exactly what it was like. We had my broken bike. I had his R6. Um, we got him something else eventually. He's good. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'd have done the same thing. Maybe I, I need that right oh, there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I that, awesome, so. absolutely yeah and actually we got a couple comments so mate daniel parker good mate of mine rider mindset coach did you met daniel there yes at cadwell yes with me he actually works with uh finn uh finn whedon that that, that won the, yep. the championship last year yes absolutely awesome and then my man trevor watson what is up he says my dude with the bk44 so yeah brendan kelstein good buddy of mine super fat man this kid is so fast races out there in california cmra all those i mean he's uh I don't see how he don't have a ride Moto America. So if anybody's listening to this in Moto America, dude, you need to go get him out there. He is yeah. absolutely proper. I'm a huge fan. Uh, his dad's awesome. We trade T-shirts. Brendan actually signed on camera. It's weird, right? Well, it's right. You see it. It's it's on his collar, right? Right, right. There yeah. you go. Uh, right there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's a. Uh, B is he's awesome and then shot bro what is up man uh shot he actually he has a podcast too out there in australia where he does you know talks about moto gp and ktm and brad bender and the boys let's go right yeah. um yeah absolutely a lot of fun uh so 
continue on with uh, your season last year. Our season, yeah. So, so I raced with Katie at Brands, and then after that, we had two rounds left. Um, and I was going to race with a friend of mine who was just getting into racing, but she's learning really quickly. Um, unfortunately, she got taken out on quali on a Friday night, so we were a bit stuck. And I spent an hour frantically running around the paddock on Saturday morning trying to find another teammate. It's not many women who race. Um, and luckily, Chloe Jones was in the paddock. She was uh, using the weekend as testing. Yes. Absolutely. I love Chloe. She, she, she's a good mate of mine. Yes. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. I went to see her and I said, please, 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 would you race with me? I need a teammate. And uh, otherwise, we're, we're done. We're done for. And she was like, let me check with my dad. Checked with dad. Dad was like, yeah, that's fine. Okay, let me check with my team. So fingers crossed. Checked with the team and team said, yeah, that's fine. Great. Off we go. And Chloe was like, so what bike do you have? I was like, well, I've, I've got two bikes, so you can use my second one. Um, and I'll use, I'll use obviously mine. So she jumped on my bike and said, can you just move the handlebars a bit like this? And then the foot pegs here and then the rest is good to go. Okay. Um, and off she went for literally she had one lap on the back of a sprint race as just as a warm up that the organizers allowed us to do so she could see whether the back was set up okay for her and um, she came back she said yeah perfect spot on um and i kept thinking really that's it <laughs> and then we did the start had to start from the back of the grid so we were literally 50th on the grid um and then i did the start went off chloe went out and then straight away on her first then she was faster than me on my bag that she'd never ridden before <laughs> it's just unbelievable and we finished uh, we finished p4 i think in our class so from the back of the grid so it was really impressive um and i enjoyed racing with chloe so much that we asked her to come back for the last round at dunnington so she came to race with us on our last round and we did really well again and we finished p2 so we run us up on on the championship national 600 championships so really good thank you but yeah Damn. i absolutely loved it um that was the endurance um I also did sprints last year. It started really well. I had a few podiums. It was P3 twice at Cadwell. Um, I had some podiums at Donny as well, I think. Um, I nearly had a P2 at Cadwell. It was, again, a wet race. I'm just good in the wet. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I was, uh, it started wet, and we all started a bit gingerly because it was a little bit chilly. And um, I started going, and I got into a groove sort of halfway through the race, and I started picking them off one by one. I was like, I see you past you now i see you i passed you and then i see you over there i'm gonna get you and then on the last lap i was catching someone else up and i thought hmm, i might have enough of a lap left to pass you too so i started chasing him and we got to the last corner at barn and literally he, he heard me so we were like on the pyre really quickly so right hand sort of downhill a little bit off camber got on pyre really quickly and i thought oh this could be so bad this could end up so wrong and we chased each other literally to the line and we passed the line at 0.07 difference. He was just a teeny bit in front of me, but that was amazing. Um, so it's been good. It's been, yeah, really good fun. But then with that, I also did a really long endurance in Spain. I did the 24 hours of Barcelona with, um, yeah, thank you. That was, that was, that was, um, yeah, I never actually thought I would do that, but the opportunity came up and I thought, have to try it. Um, so I did that with a team called Bazumba Racing and they're, they're brilliant it's a family run team and lots of friends and they were really so welcoming absolutely amazing 
jumped on their bike on a circuit. So a bike that I didn't know, a circuit that I'd never ridden at before, um, and a team that I didn't know, and teammates I'd never met. Uh, and it was just brilliant. We finished P2, so we were P2 in a super sports season class. So, yeah. That's awesome. So a 24-hour endurance race, that's got to be uh, – that's a long race, right? How it's do – yeah, it's intense. So did you have any mental preparation or did you change your training regimen at all for it? Or No, so I trained with a mindset coach uh, two years ago who gave me a structure to follow or I, we sort of came up with a structure to follow before race weekend and at the race weekend and I've been following that ever since. Um, it's just a bit of mental prep and you know physical prep and things like that. Um, and I just wanted to stick with it because it works. So it's all about visualizing and just, you know, calming yourself down and calming your heart rate, all that kind of thing, and just um, focusing, you know, your, everything really. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I kind of did the same as I normally do for a race weekend, and it worked really well. Obviously, the difference being uh, I'd be riding for an hour, and then I had three hours gap to have a shower, grab some food, grab some sleep, get back in my kit, and then go back out again. So then and that for the whole night so i did five and a half hours riding i think in the end um it was really great but yeah it was difficult i mean from a physical perspective i crashed a cough two weeks prior and i coughed my bike landed on my leg um so i had bruises on all the way down my leg my right leg but, and the bruises had gone by that point but what i didn't know is that it actually i hurt my knee and i didn't really realize but obviously being on the bike for an hour and then stopping for three, then back for an hour, stopping for three, back for an hour. On my fourth fourth stint, um, I could barely get off the bike. My knee was so painful. Um, and the team literally carried me to the truck to see the physio. Um, and the physios were great, helped me out. Um, and then when I went out for my last stint, I said to the team, leave me out for 45 minutes. Show me that it's been 45 minutes. And if I'm okay to stay out, I'll ignore it and I'll stay. Or if I'm too much in pain, then I'll come in at 45. But at least we can talk to each other. Um, so I went out for my last stint. And uh, at 45 minutes, they showed me the board. And they showed me the board, I think, three laps in a row, showing me that it had been 45. And I thought, no, I'm finishing the hour. And I just stayed out. Um, and literally, when I got back, I couldn't get off the bike by myself. So they literally just grabbed me off it and then just carried me off so that the next rider could get on. Um, but, yeah, it was it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, I bet. I couldn't imagine it. There's a lot of 24 hours. I mean, five and a half hours ride time. You do get uh, three hours in between, but that three hours in between is like this, right? You're like, I just went to sleep. Like, <laughs> right? I, yeah, it's – it's uh, yeah, I couldn't imagine the the intensity uh, very yeah. much so versus a normal race, right? Um, so we actually got a comment from Nikki Williams. What is up, man? He says, if you want to learn to ride a bike like Dancing the Salsa, we Frenchie is the coach. Great racer. <laughs> Absolutely. So you know Nikki? Yes, I know. Yeah, you. yeah, he's he's awesome. Yeah, we're together. He's yeah. a great guy, really great guy. Yeah. We did, yeah. um, we did actually a bit of coaching this week at Andalusia. Not oh, as much nice. as we wanted to, but we're going to do a few, a few more hours and a few more days during the season. So, yeah, looking forward to working with him this year. Absolutely. So uh, when you say endurance race, just for all the listeners, your normal endurance race, what is it, a four-hour endurance race, a six hours? 
three. So the standard, okay. at least in the UK, the standard endurance race is three hours. Um, and then depending on season and what the organizers can do, we usually have a couple of races that are longer than that. So last year we had, we should have had six hours and a five and a half. Um, I think Donnie, when we finished second, that was a five, five and a half hours. Um, and I can't remember if we ended up having the six hours, maybe not. I think Anglesey was supposed to be longer, but it was cancelled. Um, but on previous years, we've had longer races. So for example, the year before, we had Autumn Park, eight hours, and there have been longer races, like 10 hours at Anglesey and things like that. And I think they're planning to do a much longer version, potentially maybe even a 24 hours, if they can fit it in. That would be nice. That would be. Um, yeah. Yeah, good yeah, stuff. It's, it's usually three hours. And uh, so with three hours, it's a minimum of two riders in a team, maximum of four. Uh, you can have one bike that you share across the team, or you can have uh, one bike per rider, whatever suits. And um, um, yeah, after that, it's down to the organization of the team, how long you race for, really. When I yeah. started, I raced with friends, and we were doing it just for fun. So we were doing 20 minutes, maximum 30 minutes then, and just swapping over. And made, we made sure we all had an equal amount of time on track, effectively, because it was about having fun. We weren't chasing any championships or anything. Um, but as soon as you start racing and actually, you know, looking at the best performance possible, then you start looking at what costs you time and changing over from one rider to another obviously costs time. So yeah. the least changes you can do, the less changes you can do, the better. So last year we were doing minimum 45 minutes stints, sometimes longer than that, um, to try and, you know, get as much riding as we can without having to change over. So, yeah. Yeah. So what's easier to have everybody on their bike, have their own bike or everybody share one bike? Uh, it's easier to have one bike per rider because as soon as someone comes in, you can change transponder over and go and your, your pit stops are like very, very quick. Um, if you only have one bike, there's a lot more regulations you have to follow when you refuel everything. Everyone has to be off the bike and then you refuel. So the 24 hours of Barcelona, for example, that was one bike for the team. Um, obviously you have to change tires and things. So there's a lot, it's a lot of um, coordination. It's like a ballet, synchronized ballet, you know, when it goes on, yep. like the watching team of Barcelona was exactly that. They knew exactly what they needed to do. Everyone had their job and then jump on the bike and just go whoosh and then come right off and the tires will be changed. The wheels will be changed. It would be fueled. Everything would be clean. It was like brilliant. Um, but yeah, so it's easier to have one bike for a rider. Also, if you think about it, if you're lucky, all your riders are the same height, similar weight, that kind of stuff, and then that works well, but sometimes it's really not. And so you end up with riders who are taller than others or heavier than others, and you end up having to try and uh, you end up having to try and um, set the bike up to fit everyone because you you don't have time to change everything. You know, you can't yeah, change the handlebar yeah. positions and your foot peg positions, and it's just too much. So definitely easier to have one bike per rider. Yeah, yeah, I could see where one one bike for everybody like you said you got to set a happy medium for everybody as far as the aeronomics of the bike the suspend the whole the whole nine right yeah i can see where it'd be a much easier task and um you already know i cadwell park's my favorite track in the whole entire world i suck at it on the ride five i cannot get around there without crashing my brains out every time i play but i love it um and i ask everybody that that's actually been there what's it like uh, on that mountain course, approaching that mountain, jumping in that whole back section, which just blew my mind when I got there. I was like, you got to be kidding me right now, right? Uh, it's, um, it's a weird one because 
when you get to the mountain, you don't you don't see it obviously because you know you're at, you're kind of at the bottom, getting into that left hand, and it's really carved left hand, really cumbered to get you up that little bit, and then you switch, you flip over to the right just to get on, and you don't necessarily obviously you know where you are, you know you know there's there's a jump there, um, but you don't have to jump it. There's lots of ways to not do it. I don't usually jump the mountain. I, I you know not like um, Josh Brooks or anything like that. Um, although I did meet him at Cadwell once and I said to him, you've got to tell me how you take the mountain because I don't know how you do it. Um, and he was great, actually. He gave me some really good tips to take it. But, but yeah, it's just effectively, it's just another corner. It just happens to be uphill, is it? <laughs> it has to be the most beautiful thing I've ever seen on two wheels besides the Isle of Man TT. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's you know, and uh, <laughs> my whole thing with Cadwell, too, is uh, the first time I seen it, I was like, dude, this is absolutely amazing right way back in the day years ago um and then they had them on some playstation games but then you know i, I did research and actually learned the history of the track the dad the two sons the dirt mm -hmm. bike first track you know and then the whole history of it and i was like man yeah. what, what a what a way to organize and come up with a professional racetrack that's just out of this world right so to me it's 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 like a it is a proper racetrack all in one so it, it's kind of like the back section after the mountains kind of like a roads race because everything's so close you got tire walls right here i mean you don't want to crash there right and then and then those last two right handers like you don't want to go off there because you're going to go through the fence right there right with a bunch of tires so and then all of a sudden that last right-hander, like you said, it, as soon as you come down a straight, it all opens up, turn one, which is absolutely amazing wow. corner. Oh, my God, it's brilliant. So Dave Neal is a good friend of mine, uh, off-track podcast. Um, and when, when I met him there, he was like, dude, you got to go see turn one. So we went over there and watched him, and I was like, this is yeah. absolutely crazy because they are they backshift one time, I think, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. on a super bike, fifth, sixth gear. I mean, it, they are – fast and then it when, when it comes left it goes over to the right and it's a blind right uphill and you can't see over that corner at all you have no idea where you're going right and i'm standing there watching them i'm like it's track knowledge obviously right you got to be there yeah. know your lines but what a brilliant racetrack it is it's yeah, absolutely it's amazing. absolutely amazing it's one of those it's um you're right it, it feels narrow when you're in that section on whole bends and the old happening in barn but it's not, it's not actually a narrow track. It just looks narrow because you're between the trees, so it feels really narrow. Um, but, yeah, it's a really brilliant track. And you're right, that first corner at Coppice is just unbelievable. You're down on the straight, literally full gas. Ah, under I the was... bridge, not the gear, and then full, full pelt of that left. Um, and it's so steep that you have to take it that way. It's a bit like Hawthorne on Brands Hatch GP on, on a long curve, on when you did a long one. Same thing. You have to you have to carry the speed around it because it's so uphill. If you don't, you lose so much speed so quickly. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's brilliant track. Love it. It, it is, and 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 you know, it's just like anything. We French, you, you see a track, you you might play play it on a video game just to know your way around it. But when you get there, you don't realize how hilly, how steep, how much oh. of a bank, and all this is. It's like, yeah, it's a proper track. Like over here in America, like our tracks are. Obviously, we don't have nothing like Cadwell, I wish, but, um, you know, I, I've been to Brands Hatch, and it's super wide. Nothing compared to Cadwell, right? Cadwell's definitely nearer than, than Brands. Um, but to me, Cadwell's like old school proper. 
you know, you got a small scrutinizing, you got a little shop, you know, you got a couple little people cooking you bacon, egg and cheeses and all that good stuff. Right. And, and people are just everywhere, you know, then you go to the bigger tracks where they got proper garages and all that. It's, it's, it's just a different atmosphere. It's the same atmosphere, but a different feel like it's more uh, new school type type of racing versus kind of old proper at Cadwell, right? Just the way the layout, the setup, the, the vibe it's yeah absolutely yeah. amazing yeah i mean it's it's a really well maintained circuit and it's one yeah. of the most famous ones in the uk so it's it's weird it's weird i mean it's one of those they can't really make it wider even if they no. wanted to because of the layout um mm-hmm. and the actual garages should be in the middle of the circuit but of course you can't access it unless they open a track so it's a very weird setup and in fact racing endurance there is always um is always oh, so complicated because you come up on say the friday or thursday night to set up you set up in a paddock which is outside the track um and then on the on the friday no saturday friday night you're allowed to drive down in the van to the garages who are on the start finish um and then from there um, you've got to set everything up. But obviously, if you've got several riders who are doing endurance and potentially others doing sprints, or if you're doing both yourself, you have to think about how much kit you're going to take down to the garages and how much kit you're going to leave at the top. Um, so, yeah, and you have to set everything up and run off with Jenny at the bottom and um, come back down on a Saturday morning and just run from there. And once the race starts, you, you're, you're landlocked, you can't get out. So that's always quite exciting. Yeah, it, it is. But also the thing that Cadwell to me has got going more than uh, it's different than all, all the other circuits, even in the UK or basically anywhere is that, yeah, you're right. The pits are down there at the bottom. So for us fans, right. That, that uh, don't know anybody that needs a special pass or whatever, to where you can actually get down there and meet your, your heroes, right. You can, they have to cross there. So you're guaranteed to meet storm Stacy, Tommy Birdwell, Josh Brooks. I mean, the list goes on and on. Right. Uh, and w- what I found was everybody was absolutely amazing. Abs- yeah. Every time I was like, can I get a picture? They're like, apps. Of course, when I talked, they're like, where are you from? I'm, I'm from, I'm from Roanoke, Virginia. Woo. Let's go. I'm such a fan. And I was like, holy shit, dude, your energy and your, yeah, it's like crazy. Uh, it was absolutely amazing though, but that's what, the, that's one thing they do got going for Cadwell. Right. So the people that show up can actually, and will, you, it's hard not to run into yeah. Tommy Birdwell or Peter Hickman, or, yeah. I mean, it's, it's really hard not to. Um, so yeah, over here, go, go ahead. Sorry. Even when they're not in the garages or if you're not at the bottom, everything else, all the hospitality and everything else is set up in the paddock and the paddock is just accessible to anyone who's got a ticket. So it's, it's really great. You can just literally hang out with and you bump into people a lot. So it's really a nice circuit for sure. Absolutely. And uh, so what we do here in America, in Moto America, uh, is is we have an open pit policy pretty much that's what i call it so basically we french you pay your 85 dollars, your 80 dollars for the weekend ticket your 25 dollars to park for the weekend right you show up and you walk down uh you got full access to anybody you can walk straight up to attack yamaha and you're literally they have a little barrier set up right of course they're big awning with the semi and all that but they have a little barrier set up front and you're literally like five six feet 
from the mechanics working on the motorcycles. Here comes Jake Gagne out the rig, right? You can, yeah, everybody is full accessible, and I love that about it, right? I think a lot of other World Superbike, MotoGP, BSB, I think, dude, Japan, Superbike, Australia, all of them, I think they would benefit because I, I, I'm talking as a fan standpoint, right? So going to the races is not cheap, right? It's, it's just not even for a fan, especially if it's, three states away, two states away, you know, you got the gas, the travel, the food, the hotel, the blah, blah, blah. You know, you spend all this money and you go to like MotoGP. I go there every year in Texas. If you don't buy the exclusive pit pass, it's $325. That don't include your $80, $90 ticket just to get in. That's just solely a pass to go behind the paddock. So you see the riders coming in out of the back of the garages like you do on TV. So yeah, you're guaranteed to meet them all. Okay. Without that, you know, you're spending twenty five, three thousand dollars, and they have a fan pit walk, but MotoGP don't make the riders come out and, and meet the fans, right? So they open up the garages, and yeah, some riders do come out, but man, it's like ten minutes, right? Because you got five thousand people down there rushing trying to get autographs, right? So it's it's to me, it's like it's just as a fan, man, you, you spend all that. Why do I want to go back and watch it live when I'm not even gonna meet nobody I really want to meet when I could just sit at home and shoot buy parts for my motorcycle race tires so i'm gonna do a track day or body work or whatever it is right i need it's just uh but that's what we do really well here in america is open pit policy and it's absolutely brilliant right uh, at the flip side of that though uh moto america also makes the professional teams uh, i don't mean to say that i take that back uh all the all the high-end teams right they they have to go out there during the fan pit walk, uh, even if you don't catch them uh, walking around or standing in front because mass chaos is going on, right? Uh, so they make them go out so the fans actually have opportunity to pretty much meet everybody anyway, which I think is another brilliant idea, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it can be kind of chaos. But they do a really good job of uh, – and, and the fans of uh, do a good job of staying out the way, right, especially when yeah. – you know, you hear the speaker qualifying practice, all this stuff goes on. So everybody gives everybody room, but it's a brilliant idea for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and BSB is quite, BSB is quite open really. You it can, is. Um, you can walk to the garages. You can speak to riders if you see them. Yep. Just, I think when you ride yourself, you kind of know that they need their own space to practice yep. and do that kind of stuff. So, you, you know, being respectful. Pit walk's great. Um, you know, you can go and, meet the riders if you want and get a signature it's not very long but it's it's nice that our world superbike is completely different i've attended a few and it's just so different a lot more guarded um yeah. i've been to one motor gp event and that was even like more you, know, you can't can't go there can't enter, so fair enough. Um, yeah i mean I, I get also you know they've got at that level of competition they've got their own sort of trade secrets and things that they don't want everyone to see so you know there's other things that they're not necessarily keen on having people seeing or whatever it's <laughs> fine yeah, yeah well it's it's yeah i yeah it's a double-edged sword right but it, it's absolutely amazing for the fans and uh yeah it, it can get definitely hectic and uh, yeah so cadwell too uh, uh, another thing um bsb like i'm a huge fan everybody knows it's my favorite race series out of all of them except for the tt that is absolutely hands down cream of the crop to me um but the fans the difference in fans like dude friday well so cadwell was saturday sunday monday on saturday 
it was way more people there than there is on a Sunday at Moto America. And I was like, because, you know, obviously bikes are so much bigger over there in Europe than they are yeah. over here in, in America. And um, the fans are more into it, right? So people clap, people cheer, people do all that. We do it here in Moto America too. It's just, uh, it's just different, right? It's, 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 I wish it would be more lively and, and, and more into it. Some are, some aren't. Um, but what we do have is the bagger class, and that is absolutely amazing. I know you've seen the bagger race, and have you not? Yep, yep. Yeah, it's crazy. So I, I talk. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I follow um, Patricia Fernandez. Yeah. She talks about it a lot, and I just, I just find it hilarious. I mean, it's hilarious in a great way. It's just, I'd love to actually see it live. So I'm going to have to organize coming and probably see it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a. Uh, those bikes they got they're like a hundred plus thousand dollars in those bikes it's it, it blew my mind uh i'm friends with uh uh max flinders he races uh in the uh super bike class uh you know in in the bagger class and i had him on the pod so anyway we, we meet in jersey and i'm i'm asking i'm like man and my dad's really into it he's like dude this is the baddest harley i've ever seen i was like you know at first i was like it's probably got 50 grand in max is like nah hundred plus and i was like holy shit right that's crazy and when i was out there I actually yeah. talked to uh stewart higgs and he told me that supposedly you guys are getting the baggers there in bsb oh, in the next couple of years which would be oh no way yeah would, right. wouldn't it be awesome but i, I don't yeah. see the baggers at cadwell right but that would be absolutely amazing you, uh -huh. you, you I would say put Josh Brooks on one. I, I got to see Josh Brooks on a bagger jumping the mountain, right? <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing if they did it. It's just, um, yeah, that would be brilliant, actually. But you're right. Baggers at Cadwell, I'm not sure how that would work. Yeah, but, absolutely. So uh, so Peter Marsh is, is in here, uh, a, a good mate of mine. His son, uh, Jake Marsh, races in the GP2 class. Yeah, in, in BSB. They're a big supporter of of Pendergast, they are just absolutely amazing people but he actually has a question he says uh good evening chris uh i've only just joined so missed the intro so we frenchy i would love to know about you and racing coach and rider <laughs> i'm a i'm a rider i'm a racer and uh as of this year i'm also a coach um so yeah started racing riding racing riding uh, i don't know 2005 racing about 2015 um race mostly endurance but also sprints um obviously love endurance so it's just a completely different style of riding and racing it's just so different um yeah you, you get i mean we race for 45 minutes to an hour so it's just you know you do so many laps um and it teaches you a lot about overtaking and you know getting getting where you want to be without endangering yourself or anyone else and and you know it's all about finishing and finishing in good time so yeah and in coaching well um I've always wanted to help others get into this sport that I love. So I decided to do my coaching uh, license starting last year. And I've just finished and obtained my final license last week. Um, and yeah, so hopefully I can help others now um, with their writing. Um, and I've literally just started. So I had my first client who was Nikki Williams last, uh, last few days. I think it was on Tuesday, Wednesday this week. At Andalusia, um, and we had a good time, and uh, we're gonna do more more days this year, which I'm looking forward to. Um, and I guess partly some of that was also because I wanna I wanna help women get in the sport, not necessarily just push women on the sport, but um, just show women that we can be competitive, and so um, and also you know that there are women coaches out there. So 
it's just a different approach really women have a different approach from guys not necessarily not necessarily better just different um and it's yeah. probably less intimidated when there's someone who's like you you know to come and talk to so that's that in, in, yeah in a nutshell in, in a nutshell yeah it's uh it, listen i i think the women absolutely should be racing you know i, I watch i have i have women racers actually Big shout out to Mallory Dobbs, FIM, right? She is teammates with my other uh, female, Lizzie Whitmore. Big shout out, yes, right? Yes, they are te teammates. So two of my friends are going to FIM Women's Cup, and yep. and 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 they're going to be teammates. How proper mega is that, right? That I can't. Amazing. Oh, I can't yeah. wait. You know, and then I know a Jody Fieldhouse. She is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, and then of course we already said Chloe Jones, okay. right? And then of course out here in Moto America, we got Michaela Moore. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. And I, it, yeah. so over here we have uh, what the, the Royal Enfield. Um, and what they do, the class is really cool. Uh, we Frenchie, so it's um, it's all Royal Enfields and it's all beginners, beginner racers, right? Yeah. And, and females, they're all females, and they drop the bike off, and you got to do all the work. You do your clip-ons, you do your, you wow. do, you build the bike yourself, and during the race weekend. You got to take care of everything yourself, your old changes, the, the whole nine, right? So you get the whole aspect of it, and, and it's a championship, and it's absolutely amazing. You know, uh, we got a lot of talent out here as, as far as females yeah. go, and I'm so happy to see uh, they have an all-series just for you guys, right? I think it's just brilliant. What do you think yeah. about that? Um. Before I jump into that, I need to unplug my microphone and I'll come right back on because my battery's about to die. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Pete, that's absolutely a brilliant idea. Um, so. Okay. I can you. Can you hear me okay? Absolutely. I can. Brilliant. All right. Um, yeah. So the woman thing, I think I've never been a fan of women only racing only because um one thing i love about motorbike racing is that it's non-discriminatory so it doesn't matter if you're a girl or a guy you can just register and run and i love that however um there's no denying that the faster rider fastest riders in the world right now are mostly male and so um it's great to have a, a forum and, and you know a way to kind of showcase the talent that we have with, with women so i'm really pleased about that from that perspective um i think there's going to be some really great battles i can't wait actually to see it i've been I, I actually mentioned, um, I spoke to Faye Ho briefly a couple of years ago about potentially looking at doing a women's championship, but without all of us being on track at the same time, because especially in the UK, we all have different bikes and we all race in different yeah. classes. And so having everyone on the same would have been difficult. But I was trying to find a way of how we could compare our performance on different tracks based on our, our, the bikes that we're all on to see, you know, how we're doing against each other. Um, but then just as I wanted to start doing that, the number of women racing in the UK went like straight through like and just fell completely. So I didn't do it. Um, so having this coming up, I think is going to be really exciting. I can't wait to see who's going to come out on top. I know Anna Carrasco is doing it as well. And that's yeah. going to be really interesting to have an eye on that. Um, there's a lot of big names and I'm really, really looking forward to it. And it's great yeah. to see so many different countries represented yes. as well. Yeah, I, actually, uh, Tara... Man, I can't remember her last name. She's actually racing there. Um, I talked to her. It's it's. Uh, uh oh, I think we lost her. I think we lost her. Hang on, guys. 
she'll be right back. Peter, I will definitely ask her. But Peter, Peter says, we have wanted to work with a female for a while, R.D., and now have an amazing writer this year. Remember this name. Alicia Layton is one to follow. Well, Peter, you already know. We need to get Alicia on the podcast 110%. Absolutely. Here she is. All right. Hi. Uh, hello. Sorry. <laughs> oh, it's all good. It's all My good. Friend died. <laughs> it's, listen, it's perfect. No worries, right? Uh, so actually, Peter, uh, my mate Peter Marsh uh, says, and so I have a good friend too, Gary Ashid and his wife Jane. They actually run the California Superbike School there in the UK. Oh, yeah. And Peter says that we should uh, intro you to the California Superbike School UK. Always looking for some coaches. Oh yeah, I'd love to. That'd be brilliant. Yeah, do you know I've been meaning to get in touch with them actually so I really like the training that they do and it's just been one of those last year was so busy with with the racing with the endurance to sprints and and oh, the coaching and everything else and yeah I'd love to that'd be great yeah well, I, I, could, I, I could put you direct contact with them absolutely so yeah we'll just we'll talk no, about all, all that after yeah and then yeah. Peter also says uh we have wanted to work with a female rider for a while at RD Racing and now have an amazing rider this year. Remember this name, Alicia Layton, is one to follow. Yes. That's awesome. He says she will be doing the new junior super sport class at Bimsy this year. Yep. Nice. Nice. Brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's good. You know, as, as far as going back real quick, touching back on the FIM All Women's, uh, of course, you already know who I want to win. I went my two friends lizzie and and mallory dobbs to win i want them to be one two what order man i'm friends with both of them it, it, i just want to see them on top of the yeah. step right and the yeah. whole team i want to see them uh yeah absolutely murdered because Lindsay's proper fast mallory is too and they've actually had several phone calls together so i'm just i'm just so excited it makes me even more hype you know because i know the people that are going to be there riding the sacrifices and, and the hard work that everybody puts in that that that's one thing that people don't realize is how much work you guys put in as racers it don't matter if you're female male whatever it is right you, it, there's so much effort that you guys put into that it money it's so expensive it's uh like I say, this is for everybody. Watch this. Watch this. Yes. Nothing but love. Yeah. You like that, didn't you? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'm just happy to see it. I, I really am. I think, uh, I think it's going to be great for the whole series in general. Yeah. As a I whole. Agree. So, absolutely. 100%. So, What's the plans for 2025? I mean, 2024. Duh, we 2024, are. Yeah, yeah. We, haven't, uh, we haven't done that one yet. Um, 24. So I am going to do some racing, um, just not as much as last year, only because I, I just don't have the funds to do another season like I did last year. Um, and I need to take a little break, really. I had a crash on my last, on the last day of the last season. Um another rider and I came together and I ended up being dragged for maybe 150 meters or something and it's thrown off the bike and uh and it, I hurt my ankle a lot um I tore some ligaments in my ankle tore the muscle on the back of my on top of my calf um and it's taken a lot to come back from it and even now my ankle swells up as soon as I spend a few hours riding and so it's not particularly great so I want to heal properly before I just jump back into racing fully uh, so I'm back into training and things, but yeah. So I'll do some racing this year, just not a whole season. Um, 
most likely in No Limits Racing, um, but I might see if I can join some other classes in different clubs. Um, and yeah, and then mostly coaching, really. I want I want to try and focus on that a bit more coaching. I've, I'm quite keen to try and help um, younger riders come through as well. You know, I've, I met this um, I met this lovely rider. Uh, when was it? When I did the ACU, actually, she's um, Daisy. Her name is. She's just starting. She's literally started riding four weeks prior, and she just wants to race. And I was just like, I'd, I'd love to help you get that. There's a lot you, know, you need to know, you know, racecraft and how to ride on track and that kind of stuff. And I'd love to help. So, um, and I want to get involved a bit more in helping younger riders do progress effectively. Um, but that, and then um, my husband and I have a little side project as well on on racing he's a race engineer so he's, he's a bit of a genius like a magician with bikes he um i don't know how he does it but he always finds a way to make the bike handle exactly as i wanted to or as i needed to and so part of me riding so well is actually my husband looking after the bike so well he's brilliant with it um absolutely amazing um so yeah he he his business is called tripop racing he's been doing this for quite a long time um quite a few championships under their belt obviously last year runner up was so close um but yeah so you, we've, we've we've got a project to put something together into an app to help everyone with the racing side of things so i don't want to say too much just yet but hopefully you and i can catch up in a few months and then i'll show you all about it absolutely we will it, 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 is your husband standing right there with you he's in the next room but oh, i think okay. he's listening do you want to say yeah, hello okay. yeah absolutely absolutely well, yeah. I know you're listening, so come on in and say hi. Yeah. Good stuff. That, so do you and him actually do uh, endurance racing together, you two? We did. Um, so we – come and say hi. Come say hi. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, how we doing? Good, man. How you doing? My husband. <laughs> how you doing, my man? Yeah, not bad, not bad. I've been sat through there listening intently. Oh, um, I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, you're dragging the questions out. It's quite good. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, uh, getting the answers. Yeah. <laughs> so we did we did race together when when I uh, was it 2019 2019. I think it was that season just at the end of the uh, COVID lockdown, and so we only had four rounds in that season, and we decided to race together and. We used to be very similar levels, so it was a great team. Um, and we were doing really well. And we were on our last round mm -hmm. of Donington, uh, lining up for a nice podium finish, and then I crashed. <laughs> I don't crash often, but I do. Um, I crashed, and unfortunately, I did have the season in hospital. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, other than that, he races sprints as well. Um, but like I said, last couple of years, he's been focusing on me mainly. So yeah, yeah pretty much. Pretty much. That's awesome. Absolutely. We do what we do, don't we? Yes. Yeah. I, I think it's brilliant to have a, a couple that's into it and that and that, that commitment of, of one giving up, right, yeah. to focus on you, to, to live your dream, but you're still living the dream together, right? It's just a yeah. different aspect. Yeah, for sure. So we, we were both out in Spain last week. You know, it was brilliant just riding the, in the yeah. sun and seeing each other on track. It was – um yeah. It's, it is quite special you know you, sometimes you don't you, you kind of forget because you know you, you're working with bikes every day you kind of lose track of um when the weight of the what weight of the world gets on you a little bit but then you <laughs> sort of stand back for a second and realize you you are yeah you are you're living a dream and you're riding bikes and enjoying life yeah 
Absolutely. It, it is. So we, we actually have another comment by Nikki. Nikki says, in all honesty, Ash bike setup knowledge is off the scale. Everyone goes to him with their setup issues. Uh, you gotta love it's this true. guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Nikki's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I, I've heard too. I heard that. Uh, yeah, that's what she says. You're absolutely brilliant at bike setup, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's Good just stuff. one of those things. We, we usually end up at racing weekends and we have a stream of people coming in saying, Ash, what do you think of this? It's just time with the spanners and it? it's like anything, you know, you're good at what you do. Everybody's good at what they, what they do regularly. So it's, uh, it is just that it's, it's remembering. It is. Yeah. Being involved. So Absolutely. <laughs> brilliant. Uh, so uh, how did you and Chloe end up meeting? Uh, oh, I don't remember the first time I met Chloe, actually. Um, no, I do remember. Sorry. It was 2022, and uh, we'd started talking about putting together a women's team. And I thought, oh, Chloe Jones, she rides a 600. It might be good fun. Um, and I went to see her at a BSB event at Brands Hatch. Um, and I met her for like five minutes, literally, because she was just about to go out for another race. And I just spoke to her mum mainly. Um, and we chatted after that. Um, chatted after that about racing but she had other plans so she ended up not racing with us but she was initially my first my first choice i'm pretty sure if she had actually said yes we would have finished first by a margin but it is what it is um but yeah and then we just bumped into each other after that autumn park and we've actually been you know talking quite a lot since i really like chloe she's brilliant she's got such a great attitude um, I remember on the last race on donington she said to me right what do we need to do to win this i said well we need to win it well, that's fine. We can do that. <laughs> and off she went. Um, we didn't quite win it, but still it was, it was just brilliant. Um, but yeah, we've been talking a lot, actually. I know she, she's doing a 660. She's racing on a 660 Aprilia this year. I'm really looking forward to how she's doing on that. Um, and yeah, similar with Claire, really, I, I want to help if I can in any way, shape or form. She's a faster and better rider than I am, so I'm not sure I can help on the coaching side, but anything else I can help with, I'm always there. But yeah. I I'm sure you can absolutely help her out on the coaching side. No doubt. <laughs> absolutely. You can. I mean, cause when you're standing there watching as you coach, do, do you, you ride with them on track too as well, but do you stand yeah. on the side and watch them at like certain corners and be like, Hey, I noticed you're doing this. You need to do this. I do mostly on track coaching. Okay. Ash tends to do a lot more of the side of the track yeah. coaching. So he'll observe. And then uh, he used to do that with me. Actually, he'll watch me ride and then I'll come back and he'll say, I've noticed you do that. I kind of, why are you doing this? Well, <laughs> we'll have a little chat about it. And then he did change something on, on the bike or I would change what I do and it works well. So it's, again, this whole team thing just works really well. So I'm an on-track coach. Ash does support on, on obviously, off-track. Um, and, yeah, and potential coaching track track side as well. So, yeah. That's awesome. And and as you're a, a typical race weekend, do you have any like rituals you do? You know, because some racers wear their socks inside out. They put everything <laughs> on the left, right? No, seriously, they put everything on the left. So listen, the, the inside socks, hold up real quick. My my buddy Nolan Lampkin, he is the uh he won the uh the, the super stock class out here in Moto America. So I asked him this question. He's like, not really, but I wear my socks inside out. And I was like, why would you wear your socks inside out? He's like, because you notice when you put your socks on in the front of the toes, it has that seam. He's oh, like, well, if you wear them inside out, you don't have that seam. And I was like, what geez. a brilliant idea. So now I wear my socks inside out. I will not wear them regularly, right? Even when I go ride, my riding socks are inside out, right? So, I've got to try that. 
Yeah. yeah I, I'll have to try that too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So do, what's your pregame rituals? Uh, so I guess I'm not sure it's a ritual as such, but I always wear <laughs> superhero base layers. Uh, so my favorite are the Wonder Woman ones. So I have a few with my Wonder Woman top and Wonder Woman base layers. And it's just one of those things. It's all about mental prep. And um, it comes back to years ago. Um, one day at work, um, one of my managers, she was great. And she said to me, um, if you're nervous about something, just go to the bathroom, stand in front of the mirror, Wonder Woman pose for 10 minutes. Just look at yourself, stand tall. Um, and, and shockingly, it really works. It just It just gives you that sort of peace and confidence and so i've been doing that actually since for lots of things and i started wearing my wonder woman top and sometimes i have i don't know supergirl or superman or something else and i love the superhero base layers and that's what i do um but in terms of rituals i don't really have anything weird i, I do some prep with um just like figures of ace on my thumb just to you know get my focus and i I'll focus on one point and I'll visualize the, the track, what I'm doing now, and um, I do a few bits of exercise just to get my heart pumping a little bit. Um, and I use a bit of box breathing as well just to calm my heart rate if I get a bit nervous. But um, yeah, other than that, not really anything specific, really. Just superhero thing. That's uh, brilliant. Superman's my favorite. Always has been since I was a little kid. Yeah. Superman, 110%, right? Uh, it's funny you say that because I do the same thing before every podcast. I look at myself in the mirror and I have this conversation. It's just something yeah. I do. Like I, I, my wife comes around the corner and she's like, who are you talking to? I said myself. And she's like, why? I was like, <laughs> it's just a way for me to mentally prepare myself you yeah. know, for, for a podcast. It's because uh, I get so excited. My anxiety kicks in. You know, I get nervous. My hands get sweaty. So sometimes I got a wet washcloth right here sitting beside me just to wipe my hands. I mean, yeah, I, I love it. And once we go live, there's and I see my guest, all that goes away. Right. But yeah. it's, it's it's the anticipation, the whole build up, the, the man, I don't want to fuck this up. I don't want to, you know, just the, everything that goes along with it. You know, I just look in the mirror have my conversation and I'm like you, I breathe. I like, I, I, I do the Wim Hof method. You guys heard of Wim Hof? No. The ice man. No. Okay. So, okay. 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 So uh, Wim Hof. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so what he does is, is he's real big in the ice bass. Right. So, but, but also with that, he does breathing. So his breathing technique is, is you breathe in as much as you can, but you exhale only a little bit. So what you do is you push all the, all the CO2 out of your system. You fill your whole body with nothing but oxygen. Right. And, um, from that I do my push-ups and my planks and stuff. Right. And oh, cool. so I got to a point where I could do 50 push-ups with my breath held just by doing my 30 wow. deep breaths, holding my breath and just knocking them out right and i'm not sore the next day because what makes your muscles tired and sore is all that co2 and all that acidity in your muscles right because you yeah. get strained and tired but when you fill your body up full of nothing but oxygen and you do it it's uh it's absolutely amazing and it it, it calms it's way it calms your mind it's uh yeah, it just puts you in that feel-good mood, right? So same concept as when you take an ice bath. I don't know if you guys ha have ever done that. So when you first get in up to your shoulders, it's super cold, your breath, right? So the whole point is, is you, you want to get your breathing under control when you're in that water, right? And, and once you do that, 
the water's not cold no more. It's mm. absolutely brilliant and amazing. And you get back out, it's like this whole euphoria. It's it's hard to explain, but yeah, look them up. Wim Hof, absolutely. It's it's, it's it sure. yes. It's absolutely good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. So, listen, we've been at this for an hour already. Uh, I want to get away from all the motorcycle stuff. I, I want to get into like uh, other things, right? So, uh, I'm a big book reader. I love. Well, I take it back. I'm an audio book reader, right? I, mm -hmm. I listener. I don't. If I read a book, I end up falling unless it's a motorcycle book related, which I just got one. Well, I, I've had it for a little while. <laughs> I've got the same book right there next to me. Right. Big shout out to my man, Andy Ibbett, uh, for actually sending me this yeah. book. Dude, brilliant guy. Absolutely. So, yeah, I've been, I've been, yeah, reading that one. Yeah, but as good. far as audio books, uh, I, uh, I just got done listening to the Matthew McConaughey Greenlight. It is absolutely nice. amazing. Yes, it's a, I highly recommend it. Uh, and I just got done last night with uh, Guther, uh, the Haas F1 principal. Okay. His book, yeah, it's it's uh, it's different. His book is different, right? It's all F one. I thought it'd be more like kind of personal too at the mm -hmm. same time, but it's not. It's like it, it. This how it is. Saturday, February twenty eighth, Amolia, and he goes in this whole kind of spill, and he's like, "Okay, good night." Next day, Sunday, February 29th, This, and I'm like, it was kind of hard to stay yeah. into it, right? Because of that, but. Are you a book enthusiast yourself? Yeah. So it's a weird one. I used to read loads and loads and loads. Um, I don't read so much these days only because I don't find the time usually. But I have a few books on the go, actually. I, I started reading the um, Patrick Stewart's book. You know Patrick Stewart? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a massive Trekkie, I have to say. Live long and prosper. <laughs> um, and I think he's an amazing actor. So his book came out, so I bought it, and I've started reading that. Um, but then I also started reading um, Barack Obama's book, and I still haven't finished it. And I started reading uh, the book that you were holding a minute ago. I just I started lots mm -hmm. of books. It's just different days. I'm in different moods, and I want to I want to do different things. So um, it just depends on the days. But yeah, I like a good story. I think the last book that I actually finished was um, Matthew Perry's book. Rest in peace. Oh, is that good? That was brilliant. That was really, really brilliant. I just couldn't put it down. I read it like that. Yeah, that, that's because I thought about getting that for sure. So Matthew McConaughey's is like that. You start listening to it. You're like, I, I just one more chapter, just one more chapter. And then I'm three <laughs> hours into it. Right. I'm like, shit, I got to go do this. Right. I've been off in, in this book. It's it's so to me, uh, I, obviously, you guys know I'm a huge motorcycle fan. Right. So I, I, I read and listened to pretty much every motorcycle autobiography out there on the planet right. um they're all good in their own ways right some just tell their childhood to racing others tell the shit behind the scenes and that's the shit that i really like is the behind the scenes you don't ever hear about you know because a lot of the books are the same everybody's story is different but almost yeah. the same if that makes sense right yeah. but john hopkins leather is absolutely the best autobiography motorcycle racing book i've read listen to yeah. to this day okay. hands down you guys should absolutely he, he he don't hold nothing back he talks about his alcohol addiction his drug addiction smoking weed and then getting on a moto gp bike and racing it i mean it's that's what i'm talking about i love that right it's it's real it's raw it's emotional it's absolutely brilliant hands down book um matthew perry's book exactly like that okay very, very um very graphic open yeah, and yeah, yeah. Very much everything that went on, and yeah, 
yeah, no hiding anything. Yeah, it's it's but those books I love, man, because it's like they actually telling the truth. It, it's like they, they look in the mirror and they're talking to themselves of all their problems and trials and tribulations. And it, it, it to me, it, it grabs you and it just takes you on this journey, you know, uh, and also like crime books, too. Right. I like the the all that csi and yeah you know, <laughs> jazzy stuff sometimes because you got to change it up right you can't just stick yeah. to motorcycles well okay i take it back you can't just stick to motorcycles all the time but it's always good to have a breath of fresh air sometimes right <laughs> yeah absolutely so uh do you guys listen to any podcast yourselves or Actually, I don't really. I listened to yours a few times, but um, I haven't really seen. <laughs> mm. I haven't really. Seen, I don't really listen to any others. Um, it's just I, I'll be completely honest with you. My work is so time-consuming, and um, I'm a business consultant, and so I spend most of my week working on the other people's businesses, and it's so consuming. By the time I finish work, I'm just so tired, and I just don't want to do anything. And I've got, I don't have the brain power to do anything else until. Eventually, either we go riding somewhere, in which case I switch off work, and then I start the riding side, and then I'm all about riding, um, or we go away somewhere. Um, if we stay home, we end up doing DIY, which is always <laughs> one of those. Yeah, <laughs> Again, lots started. of things started, which will finish bit by yeah. bit. Um, but yeah. Uh, thank you for listening to my podcast. Absolute honor. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, music, what kind of music are you guys into? Because me, I can listen to... Morgan Wallen to Bob Marley to Aerosmith to a little bit of rap to Frank Sinatra. I mean, I'm my scale. I'm I'm, I'm everywhere, right? And I'm the type of person to I could literally be jamming Frank Sinatra and then put on, uh, you know, Kid Rock and then turn around and put on, you know, whatever. Uh, what do you guys listen to? It's pretty much my playlist. Pretty, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much like that. I mean, we both like we really like jazz, both of us, um, and. Um, I don't know, some, you know, a bit of classical and we're doing something that requires a bit of concentration. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, love, you know, some proper music that moves. Uh, love country. I love country. That's probably one of my favorites, actually. Um, we had actually, we so we haven't actually had our official honeymoon yet. We had what we call a mini moon. We haven't done a full moon yet. Um, the full moon is supposed to be a travel for the US and we're going to go to Nashville and we're going to go to lots of places and we're going to go and watch some real country. Um, so can't wait for that. We're actually going to Texas in May to the um, Colin Edwards Texas Tornado. Oh, nice. Yeah. Are you really? You're going to have fun. Edwards is absolutely amazing. He's uh man. Listen, I miss Edwards being in the sport. He was, he's a character we need back in the sport. Who can mm. ever forget 2011? at Silverstone, uh, rider auction charity. He, he broke his shoulder that weekend. Uh, he comes up on stage, grabs the microphone and he's like, I think Jorge Lorenzo was gay. And I, yeah. I spit the drink out my, I was, I was taking a sip. I was just like all over the place. Right. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. I love it. What a character. You're going to have so much fun. I've never been, um, met Edwards many, many times. Uh, yeah, I can't I'm, wait. I'm actually jealous. It's gonna be so you guys get to shoot guns too, right? So obviously yeah. <laughs> everybody knows us Americans are big in our guns, right? Uh it's yeah, yeah, you're gonna have so much fun. You get you get to do, yeah. His son is absolutely fast, it's proper. So I'm going to Texas uh in April for the MotoGP race. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I, I go every year. Me and 
uh, my best friend Jason. He lives in Oklahoma, so I fly out there to him, and then we drive. It's only a five-hour drive uh, instead of flying into Texas. No, it just gives us opportunity to actually spend more time together instead of him driving from Oklahoma and then pick me up at the airport, you know, and all that. We get to actually spend some time together, right? So, yeah, it's good stuff, man. Um, So this is my next question. Star Wars or Star Trek, but you already answered that because you're a Trekkie, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. what Star I mean, what Star Trek character would you be? Oh man, that's a great Difficult question. That, um probably Picard. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be Picard, I'd be the captain. Um, yeah, yeah. Just like you know, boldly go when no one has gone before. Yeah, but I'm still looking after people, and you know, I don't want to. I don't want to hurt anyone, but I want to discover new stuff, and you know, I want to. I want to be brave. Yeah, that, that'd be me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely, great answer. I love it. And so Peter Marsh said, he said, right, I'm off, Chris. A great listen as normal, and we Frenchie might see you if you come to the school or around the BSB paddock. In fact, we may put out an R and D race R D racing team at the No Limits Endurance at Snedditon. Hey, if you ever wanted to help bring kids through from British mini bikes to BMEs to BSB, then give us a shout at RD Race and always liking for riders to help with the amazing kids we have in the team. Brilliant. Yeah. So listen, I can put you direct contact into with my mate, yeah. Peter. Peter, absolutely nothing. Let's see. Let's see if I get this to work again. There it is. Nothing but love to RD oh, Race and Pete Marsh and all <laughs> them. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Huh? Yeah, um, that is pretty cool. Yeah, dude, it's it's absolutely amazing. So, uh, food. What is your favorite food? Oh man, <laughs> just one. Cheese. Is there one favorite food? <laughs> yeah, right? Is there just one? French cheese. No, I love it. I love I love cheese with bread. Yeah, uh, it's gotta be my favorite food. Cheese bread. Yeah, yeah. Love good cheese. But not not like and I'm sorry for anyone who's from Britain here, but not cheddar. It's a bit boring. <laughs> I like proper cheese, like French cheese, but you get all sorts of different flavors and kinds, and there's just so many. It's amazing. Yeah. And that, you know, some good cheese with some really nice, freshly baked bread is just the best thing ever. Yeah. It absolutely. So actually this morning I go, so we have uh, one of our grocery stores. They, they bake their own bread. They don't do a whole lot. They do like a couple loaves, but they make an Asiago cheese bread. Right. So what right. I do is I, I go out there and I buy it. I come home, I slice it and I make a BLT. Right. But I put avocados on it and it's oh. absolutely, Oh, it's yeah. absolutely amazing. Right. You get good uh, BLT with some avocados, you know, big, not thin sliced tomato. I like the, Thick sliced tomato, right, with a little bit of salt on it. Not a lot, just a little bit, because every tomato needs just a hint, right? Just a little pinch of salt on it. Um, yeah, it's absolutely. I actually, um, Alyssa, <laughs> Lizzie's watching. What is up, Lizzie Whitmore? She said, "You just made me really hungry." <laughs> <laughs> I Lizzie, wish I had. Your favorite food was just um, crisp sandwiches, right? That's your favorite food, isn't it? That's awesome. Uh, Malcolm Shorter says, I'm late. Hey, is this the place for free t-shirts with the laughing? Yeah. So, so uh, I, usually, yeah, that's what I do is every guest that I have on, uh, I send everybody, well, my guest, a, a free t-shirt. I don't have any right now. Um, what? I, I, I'm, I'm out. I got some stickers, but I am going to get some more in. And actually, uh, I get my merch done by the clothing kings.co.uk out there yeah 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 we're looking for somebody actually for, for doing we some are. of our stuff so 
Yes. Listen, we will chat after this. All right. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah absolutely. We'll yeah. chat after this. But um, so yeah, so my favorite food, man, it's it's like you said, uh it's a kind of a broad question, right? Because I think in my head, I'm like, dude, I love Thai food, I love Indian food, I love Greek mm-hmm. food, I love Mexican food, I love pasta. Uh but if I was just to choose one food to eat for the rest of my life, God, that's so hard. Uh I'd probably have to go Greek. Absolute Ooh. great food because I man, I love olives, I love feta cheese, I love uh, man, I love the salads, I love the fresh stuff, right? I, I I'm really into cucumbers and dude, all that stuff. It's yeah, absolutely, and and it's very healthy food too, right? Um, it is, yeah. It, it is, is nice, yeah. Mediterranean food for sure. But I but I love spicy. I'm absolute mm-hmm. nut over spicy food. I mean, <laughs> do, do, have you guys ever watched uh, uh, the hot ones on YouTube? No. Okay, so check it out. There's this guy on YouTube, and he's it, he gets millions of views. So what he does, he's uh he has ten chicken wings from the most mild to like three point five million Scoville the hot right, and he interviews celebrities and they eat. He he get ask them questions while they're eating these ten wings, and it gets hotter <laughs> and hotter and hotter and hotter, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so I was like, man, I need some of this hot sauce. So I, yeah, I get it, and I like really really hot stuff, not all the time. I got to be really in the mood if I'm gonna be like, you know what, I'm I'm trying to burn myself up for the next two or three days. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm let's let's go. Uh, but I do like uh, spice food. Michael Malcolm said, uh, "Soft taco supreme for me." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Soft taco you know, supremes are good. I can't do spices. I just I wasn't brought up with spices. I was brought up with uh, traditional homemade French food, and uh, and I can't do spices. So I love I love a korma. And and I'll cry when I eat it. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. So, um, what advice would you give your younger self? Uh, don't worry about what people think. At, listen, good. I find that that happens not only in our sport, but in all aspects of life in general. Right? Too yeah. too many people are worried about what people think of you. What and be, so being a dad, right? My son's 11. And I really didn't think of it, right? Until watching my son grow up and and people getting like a certain outfit or clothes or a video game or or whatever it is, where like you got to have it otherwise you don't fit in and I'm like absolutely not, man. You want to yeah. you, you're your own person. You do your own thing. Beat to your own drum. Just like me. Don't I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care if somebody come on here right now and say, you suck. You should quit podcasting, blah, blah, blah. Say, thank you for all the love and support. Right? Yeah. I mean, whatever. And just roll it off like, okay, whatever. Uh, it's just, yeah. yeah. Life's too short to be worried about um, what people think of you. Because at the end of the day. Yeah. It, just, it, took me, it took me a long time. I spent a long time when I was much younger. And I tried to fit in a lot. And um took me a very long time to realize or to start sort of thinking, why am I spending all my energy trying to fit in with people who, if, if people don't accept you, why are you trying so hard to be with them? Um, and I remember it was a weird one, but one year I decided to just literally draw a line on the names that of people that never got in touch with me and that I always got in touch with. And I thought, if we're friends, you'll get in touch. And the number of people I knew just drew massively small, but the people who were left are actually really good friends and we're still friends to this day. And I've actually since met other people who have become really good friends. And I I, just, I try not to spend to, to waste energy or time on, on on that anymore. 
I just I do what I want. I try not to upset people. I'm I'm very I'm kind. I'm respectful. Um, but I have to be my own person. So yeah, no, I'm I'm the same way. I used to spend way too much energy focusing on mm. what people thought of me and how they thought of me and all that. And I'm just like, you know what? I, I don't give a shit. I'm I'm me. You love me. You hate me whatever let's just go have a good time let's go ride bikes right let's go watch some racing forget what you're talking about yeah um so i, I ask this to everybody right because everybody's got one and this is a question for both of you two right here okay. celebrity crush who is y'all celebrity crush dwayne johnson <laughs> there you go dwayne jo she was quick with that one too <laughs> yes well, i can't help it he's just so oh, he's so yeah. good who's yours colin edwards colin edwards <laughs> Brilliant answer, bro. I love it, dude. Colin Edwards. I love it, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, do you guys play video games like PlayStation or Xbox? Yeah. Oh, he does. I don't. Yeah, proper, proper Call of Duty fan, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, I, I, man, I play Call of Duty. I got, I got a PS5. So when we get off here, I'll, uh, Ben, I, I play with Harry Cook. I play with a with a lot of those guys. So we'll, we play oh, really? by five and all that. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll we'll do the whole gamer tag and all that cool stuff because I, I love getting on there and getting my ass kicked and talking shit. <laughs> Call of Duty, I play too. Uh, yeah, absolutely. My son's big into, and then everybody plays Fortnite. Fuck, dude, Fortnite, right? So I try. It it's fun, but I don't get the whole concept of building shit while you're. Shooting right, somebody shoots at you, building this whole thing. I'm like, what are you doing? Shoot this guy, right? Like, wait, yeah, it's uh, but yeah. So, favorite racer growing up, who did you have on your wall? Pictures on your guys's walls? I didn't start riding until I was 28, so I didn't have a racer on my wall. I well, used to have a poster of uh, who was it? Oh, I had a French singer that you won't know, and uh, I had a poster of uh, michael jackson on my wall and uh another poster of madonna madonna yeah. yeah 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 just cool so who's yeah. your favorite racer now then um me no top rack <laughs> top rack uh Leoglu. i think he's great i, I actually met him at kedwell very briefly because you know he's busy but he was really kind and really nice and had a little chat with me and um, it was that when he came over to and he did three laps on on yep, the circuit. Yeah, I remember. Yep. Met, actually. Yep. Um, but yeah, I was just standing there watching, and then he just happened to be stood right next to me. So I turned around and I said, "How did you find the mountain?" Yes, it was very good. And I said, "How how did you approach it?" And he said, "Well, I just did one lap first of all to see what the track was like, and then on the second lap I thought I'd go a little bit more, and then." Once I did my second lap, I figured out how I could take it. So then on the third lap, I just went for it. And I thought, <laughs> naturally, it's not like some of us spend months or years trying to get that down. You just did that in three laps. But, yeah, it was really, really great, actually. Really nice. Uh, yeah, so, I, I like the music. Yeah. Like yeah, absolutely. Did you guys watch the World Superbike races this weekend? Yes. Just, just watched it. it. Yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah. That's just the same again, you know, top rack on there is it's such a peace of mind when his bike blew up he's straight off the circuit so many times yeah. you watch and you see the rider sort of trickling around across the track and dropping crap everywhere and he was literally he knew the bike had gone he was straight on the grass and off so he, straight yeah. away we both said you know look, look yeah. at his peace of mind he's got to do that just using yeah right, if you haven't seen it yet by the way just don't listen for a minute spoiler yeah. alert. 
<laughs> spoiler alert. Absolutely spoiler alert. Yeah, I watched it. Absolutely, I did. I, uh, man, you know, World Superbike the whole season, every all the changes, right? And at first, when I was like, Top Rack's going to BMW, I was thought, man, I think that Johnny will actually adapt a little bit faster to the Yamaha, right? But then yeah. the more I thought about it, I changed my mind. I was like, man, I really think that Top Rack's probably going to adapt to the BMW a lot quicker than Johnny will to the Yamaha. And the reason why I say that is, is He's been on the Kawasaki for what six, seven years, right? So inline four. Now he's going to a cross plane crank Yamaha. You, you, he is a six time champ, but he has got to learn how to adapt his riding style to get the best out of the Yamaha because what did worked on the Kawasaki is not working on the Yamaha, right? So wow. that that's where that mental game and that whole people behind you, that support system trying to help you weed get comfortable and up to speed, right? Where uh, top rack, I think, is just the type of rider to where I don't really think it don't matter what you put underneath them. If it's halfway dialed in, it's fucking send it right. It's it's yeah. gonna be fast on it. Um, but yeah, it's great. I'm glad to see a Noni back right after the four year ban, and he won. And, yeah, and then he did that. Uh, you see my Anthony Gobert, uh, the Go Show helmet, right? Yeah, 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 yeah right there, right? Yeah, and then um, dude, he you know Ian Noni had that tribute helmet, and I was like. Yeah, absolutely amazing. It was good yeah. stuff. Good stuff. Uh, uh, are you guys in beer or wine? Let me ask you this: beer or wine? Uh, both. Pre prefer rum. wine. Prefer <laughs> yeah, rum, 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 rum or wine. <laughs> yeah, rum. Actually, no, I quite like a, a good beer. It's nice. It's just nice and refreshing. I think so, you know, end of the week or it's quite nice. But um, wine more for like I don't know dinner or when I go yeah. to France because. I'm French and my family live in France. So every time I go to France, my dad feels the need to empty the cellar as soon as we get there. So it's wine every day, which is nice. Yeah, I'm not complaining. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah. It's a mistake yeah, I, to sit next to him at the table because he just keeps pouring. <laughs> just keep pouring it. Next thing yeah. you know, I'm drunk. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's uh, so favorite. So my favorite beer is Guinness. I absolutely love Guinness. But when I went out to the UK, I had uh, Mandry. Madrid, yeah, yeah, Madrid, yeah, absolutely, the best lager I've ever had in my life. It is absolutely amazing. I try to get it here in the states, and they're like, "Hey, you okay. can't get it. We can't get it," which is, and I, yeah, boo. absolute boom. <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, do you guys watch the TT? I watch it religiously. Mm. You, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I quite like it. I mean, um, I went to the TT. He hasn't been yet. We're going to take him very soon. I want to um, go. But yeah, I went in 2012. It was the only year where they cancelled the senior race because of the weather. They hadn't cancelled it since World War II. They cancelled it that year because it was raining every day, yeah. so everyone was miserable. So then everyone left the island on Saturday night earlier than planned. Um, and we stayed. And so and Sunday, the sun came out, so we had the whole island for ourselves for three days, and it was brilliant. It was amazing. Yeah, I like the it's a really great race. It's really impressive. I have to say, though, I much prefer watching uh, the Ulster GP, or they're not doing it, or the Northwest 300 or road races like that, only because the grid start and the actual race on the road, I find it's mm -hmm. just absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm jealous. I, that's on my bucket list. Absolutely. Have to do it. I don't care what it takes. I'll sell my street bike. I, I, seriously, I'm, I'm, I'm that bad. I want to go because, you know, as you get older, you realize, man, life's very short. 
You know, mm-hmm. we have a very little, and it's something you can't stop, pause, rewind, take back, or any of that, right? So if you're going to do it while you're young and healthy and yeah. you have, and you can do it, why not send it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, right? So this is my next question um, to you guys Who had the greatest TT comeback? There, there, listen, I'm going to give you two names because there is a bunch that, that's made a lot of comebacks, right? So I'm going to give you who, who had the greatest comeback out of Ian Hutchinson? Right or Connor mm-hmm. Cummins, who had the greatest TT comeback? Oh, I don't know. I want to go with Connor Cummins. I was going to say Connor Cummins. <laughs> yeah, just just through the that was horrific, wasn't it? Just mm. really the when you sit when you saw him go over the top of that mountain, you're like, oh my god, you thought that was it? But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the, 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 you know, Hutchie's done a, has gone through a lot with with wow. everything, and we we actually see him. Last week, and we in Spain as well. Yeah, he was with us in um, Andalusia. Really yeah. nice guy. Yeah, still riding really fast. Just, uh, yeah, kind of Cummins for me, I think. Yeah. Yeah, kind of Cummins too, for the same yeah. reason, actually. <laughs> Brilliant. I actually had the honor to meet Connor at Cadwell. And obviously me being the American, being so hyped, watching him for so many years, I was, I'm sure I probably, I don't even remember what I said. It was probably a million things. I was coming out my mouth. I was like, dude, I'm such a fan. Blah, 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 blah. blah. Can I get a picture? And I'm probably, she's probably like, who the fuck is this guy right here? Right. Get him away from me. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's, 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 it, you know, I've watched all them guys race you know and finally to meet you know even brooks and tommy birdwell and dude all them it was uh an absolute honor and of course you know me being a podcaster i got a million questions in my head and i I can't sit there for i wish i could right be like yeah but (laughs) yeah it's absolutely it was it was awesome connor was really cool uh it i didn't realize how tall he was yeah (laughs) i did on tv yeah i'm like like holy shit dude yeah he's he's tall uh yeah, absolutely tall. It, my buddy Peter Essoff, which he races sidecars. He's actually raced sidecars at the TT. I actually had him on my podcast. Absolute legend. He says, Mike the bike. Man, listen, Mike had a, yeah, Mike being absent for I forget how many years and then coming back and, and winning. It was, yeah. you don't, to, that's absolutely unheard of, right? It's, uh, yeah. And to come back and, and do what he did is, uh, yeah. Proper mega, proper mega. But listen, we're an hour and 32 into this. Uh, we will definitely have a part two because there's so much more to talk about as far as, you know, no limits, the, the coaching, uh, the future mm-hmm. of what you guys are doing together. Your husband right here and his whole dude wizardry on a bike mm-hmm. and setup yeah. and all that. So next time, let's get both of you guys on. Uh, I can pick both your brains. And if uh, yeah. Chloe Jones is down, we can get her on too as well, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I uh, because actually I was gonna have I've had Chloe on before, but I was gonna have her and, and my and my buddy Jake Marsh on together because they're friends, you know. So I wanted to yeah. to get. I I think it's awesome when um, I have two racers uh that are friends that you know grow up in the sport together. I love to feel the energy and pick their brains because they feed off each other, right? It's uh, mm-hmm. but she was sick the day we were supposed to do it. She's like, man, I've been up throwing up. You know, um, I might be able to make it. And I'm like, listen. We're not going to have a podcast if you can't make it, Chloe. Well, it's a Chloe Jones and Jake Marsh podcast, right? So we'll just reschedule it. So uh, we hadn't rescheduled it yet, but we, we are here soon. But listen, yeah. before we get off here, I need you to tell everybody how they can find you. And if, if they want to 
get you to coach them, social media, you know, all that, no limits, the whole nine. So I am mainly on Facebook, and you'll find me as WeFrenchie. And uh, you'll find me on Instagram as well. Instagram is WeFrenchie underscore racing. Um, and you can get in touch with me via email on uh, racing at WeFrenchie.com. Or you can go to my website, which is WeFrenchie.com. You'll find all information. So my, my coaching page is going live, uh, maybe not today, it's a bit late now, but hopefully tomorrow, full details of everything and how to get in touch and how it works and that kind of stuff. Um, also, I coach from the limits, so I do days with them. Um, that's free coaching, but it's only like short sessions of 20 minutes. Um, but I'll be at days of no limits this year as well. No limits track days. Absolutely. Brit. So I'm surprised you don't have a club club. We Frenchie. Everybody else has got a club. You need to get your club started. Really nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, not, not, not at the minute. Maybe later. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the, we, yeah. the, the, um, we yeah, we've got we've got a wee club because you know I'm wee Frenchie, so we'll have my wee trainees for my coaching and maybe my uh, wee fans and wee yeah, everything else. Yeah. Wee fans, <laughs> wee fans, a brilliant idea. That, that that hey, that would be a great T-shirt. Wee fans, absolutely, yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. So yeah, uh, before uh, I end this, man, obviously I got to give some shout outs too, right? So first off, my man Peter Marsh and Jake Marsh, the whole R and D team. Man, thank you guys so much for all your love and support. They listen, I'm on their leather suits, their bikes. It was, it's, it's, I never dreamed in a million years. Uh, me podcasting for one and for two, uh, having people actually support me the way they do. It's, 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 uh, absolutely, absolutely amazing. Thank you guys so much. I need you to guys go out if you can't, if you have a chance, Club 45, sign up and help support, uh, my mate, Jake. Uh, I actually have a whole list of riders I need to I need to sit down and do up. But anyway, big <laughs> shout out to Martin at the Clothing Kings, uh, where you can get all pin to gas merch and get beanie hats, soft sell jackets, all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, absolutely love walking around the races, even here in America and seeing people in in pin to gas merch. It's uh, yeah, yeah again, cool. yeah. yeah, absolutely brilliant and amazing. And again, thanks everybody for that loves, watches, and supports the podcast, whether we're live or, or we're not live, you do it on Spotify, our heart or wherever you listen to again. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. And uh, I will see you guys coming up this week for some more podcasts, but yeah, until then we Frenchie is in the house. Thank you so much. I can't wait for part two. So you guys stay, stay tuned. Thank you guys so much. And I hope your guys' uh, rest of the day is just as mega as everyone else is. So yeah. See you guys later. Absolutely. Hang Brilliant on. Brilliant to talk to you.